Hello everybody and welcome to 13 Nights of Halloween Season 3 Episode 6 and we are almost halfway through our season and we want to say thank you for all of you who have been listening to our podcast and giving us the support, engaging with us. It is really, it really means a lot. It really means a lot. Now before you dive into the episode, I would just as usual like to give a major credit to Shuja Stories for inspiring this and all the stories that we are talking about this season. Shuja Stories is a digital art museum that showcases African legends in the most creative way possible. You can find them at shujastories.org. That is shujastories.org. And while you are at it, you can all, almost always just give us a like, follow us, engage with us at the Horror Fan Club Kenya on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. As always, I am yours, Larry Sylvester. So let's get right into part one of today's episode. Just but a disclaimer, this has what to be one of the most eye-opening stories, basically simply because like a lot of things that are happening within Nairobi right now and we go through almost each and every day has so much relevance to this person's story. For all of you travelers, people who like traveling, might really really relate to this so get ready to be mind boggled especially for the kenyan citizens today we're going to talk about siokimau <coughs> professional broadcasting siokimau was from the kamba tribe and was revered as an oracle long before the coming of the white man among the kenyan tribes possession of supernatural powers was greatly revered among these tribes, only a few individuals could rival Siokimau of the Akamba in prophetic powers. Siokimau was born and raised in Iveti Hills near what is now known as Machakos in the 1800s. Besides being a prophetess, she was a great medicine woman. Her people held her in high regard because it is claimed that she could predict if other communities such as the Maasai and the Gikuyu would attack, the giving, would attack giving Kamba warriors enough time to prepare to defend themselves. She is said to be the greatest Kamba prophetess that ever lived because she prophesied the coming of the white men and the building of the railway line with unmatched accuracy. In her prophecy, she saw a long snake spitting fire and smoke as it moved from waters to other waters. From it came out the people, their white, their skin like white meat, and their words nonsensical like the chirping of birds. In their, fa in their pockets, she said they carried fire. With them everywhere they went. Foretold somewhere in the mid 1800s, her prophecy about the coming of the white men was probably before all the prophets that followed in later years. She also foretold the coming of a generation that would behave in strange ways. This generation would talk like weaver birds, claim to be wiser, and break traditions. They do things that were considered taboos. Surprisingly, would even build houses on top of one another. Well, I guess that is what they were referring to, like the Generation Z and Millennials. Wow, that's a pretty accurate description. Because <laughs> I'm considering the taboos that they're talking about was maybe piercings and tattoos. But tattoos were part of like African culture, so I don't think that was a taboo. Maybe other things that we do that are considered taboos traditionally. Anyway, moving on to the script. <laughs> In the 20th century, her prophecy did come to pass. Yeah, no kidding. The long snake that spit fire and smoke was the great Kenya-Ugandan railway line that 
began at the coast in Mombasa near the Indian Ocean. The railway snaked across the land to the then Port Florence that is now Kisumu, home of the Lake Victoria. The strange people with whites, with skin like white meat, were the white people. The colonialists and their so-called nonsensical words was the English language. The strange generation that was prophesied is our generation. Yep, called it. We have, after all, built houses on top of our houses, the skyscrapers that we see. Siokimau died in mysterious circumstances that even her people could not explain. Her tribesmen claimed that she died and resurrected twice before dying for good for the third time. I am immortal. <laughs> it is later said that Siongua Kathukoya, another prophetess from Athi River, was so amazed at her prophecy that she named the place that is now called Siokimau after her. There is a statue of Siokimau at the new Siokimau Standard Gauge Railway Station to celebrate the great Kamba prophetess and medicine woman. Now, before we go into the next segment of our first part where we talk about who, what, where, and how, personally, I think this was of great relevance to like the current situation in Kenya, the railway lines being built, the new railway lines being built. And like I am just so impressed by how they revered the oracle, the Siokuma oracle, to a point where her name is so synonymous with us to this day. Kudos, kudos, Kamba, Kamba people. I'm really impressed by your tribe. Anyway, now moving on to the who, what, where, and how. A little bit of information to you, lovely coolies. Siokimau predicted the railway and the skyscrapers. Did she imagine that a railway station near the skyscrapers would be named after her? Who knows? Siokimau railway station is also near Nairobi National Park, the crown jewel of Nairobi. Can we imagine that lions, giraffes, ostriches, and eagles can be seen living wild within the city limits? Nairobi National Park is indeed a heritage that we need to guard and protect even if there is a railway line running across it. And that concludes our first part of today's episode. Hold on to your horses, get your coffee, get your milk and cookies because we are about to go to the second part of today's segment. Welcome to the second part of today's segment which will blow all your minds away. Previously, we talked about Mora Wangite, who was a very fearsome sort of prophetess and slash warrior. Now, I believe you do remember me mentioning one of the warriors that was killed during her reign. For this second segment, we are going to talk about Ontenyo Nyamantere, also known as the superhero of the Abagu Sea. Now, I'll let you know where Mora Wangite comes in. So Ontenyo was an Abagusi warrior who led the resistance against the British invasion of the Kisi. And not to put it lightly, but I think the Abagusi were like a real pain in the ass for the colonialists because they were very, 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 very good at what they did, especially because of Mora. If you haven't heard about the story of Mora Wangite, check out our previous episodes. You will find her name there and you can get to piece, sort of piece this in together. Ontenyo Nyamantere was adopted and brought up by his aunt, Mora Wangite, another prominent Abagusi personality. Yep, spoiler, she was her aunt. She was his aunt, rather. <laughs> I, I can see, like, Netflix running to do, like, a full-on series about this. Anyway, in 1905, 
the King African Rifles that came to crush the Abagusi rebellion killed many of the Abagusi, burned homesteads, seized livestock, and destroyed crops. They also shot and killed women and children who showed resistance. The Briton responsible for the killings was a ruthless man, Milton, who, on behalf of the colonial government, was to punish the Abagusi for having raided their neighboring communities and stealing from them. Geoffrey Northcote, yeah, we remember him, we remember him, was another who was hated so much because of his ruthless killings of the people. Yeah, no kidding. One time, Ontenyo's aunt, Morawangite, advised that he confront the British and fight them. Ontenyo gathered the finest of the Abagusi warriors and with his own blessing, went after the British. Armed with only poisoned arrows and spears, he and his warriors lay in ambush in the path of the British who had seized another herd of livestock that they were driving them away. It so happened that Northcote was also leading the expedition. During the attack, Ontenyo speared Northcote on the right shoulder before he drew his gun and defended himself. Supposing him to be dead, Ontenyo grinned in triumph before disappearing into the bushes. Despite their inferior weapons, the Abagusi warriors were victorious over the British, but not without a few casualties of their own. This attack happened in the present-day Manga, in Kitutu region. The Abagusi celebrated Ontenyo with song and dance. He had become some sort of superhero to them for having killed the white colonial administrator who had tormented them in the past. The Abagusi warriors, meanwhile, were so motivated by Ontenyo's bravery and started carrying out reckless frequent raids unknown to them. Northcote had not only just survived the spearing but had sent a message to Kisumu for reinforcements. The reinforcements arrived in Kisi three days later and showed even more brutality on the Abagusi than before. More people were shot and killed to draw Ontenyo from hiding so that he could be captured. In the end, Morawangite was forced by the colonial government to hand over her nephew in exchange for the end of the bloodshed. She and the Abagusi elders gave him up. Ontenyo was, execu was executed by a firing squad, beheaded, and hung on a bridge as a warning to the rest against rebellion. His head was transported to London as proof that he was dead and put in a British museum. Like that of a martyr, Ontenyo's legend grew larger than life within the years. <sighs> if this does not tie in perfectly with the story of Morawa and Gite, I don't know what does, but personally, this is like second in line to one of my favorite, favorite stories in this season of 13 Nights of Halloween. And now, for who, what, where, and how segment of this last part of, this, of, this, of the episode. Brave warriors of the past defended their land against invaders. Today, we need to protect our lands against other forces Logging charcoal, logging charcoal making, <clears throat> logging charcoal making, soil erosion, drought, and flood. If we don't stop these threats, they will control us. Where forests have been cleared, soil is washed away. Where wetlands have been drained, floods fill our homesteads. Let's protect our forests, wetlands, hilltops, and riverbanks, similar to what Morawangite's moral of the story was. That has been today's episode. And who do you think? Is a better Shuja. Is it Ontenyo from the Kisi? Or is it Siokimao from the Kamba? Let us know in our social media page on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also on TikTok. 
give us a like at the horror fan club kenya it doesn't hurt to follow us as well share this content with people who think might appreciate this and help if we can get the attention of future stories maybe we can do something great together that has been it for today's episode looking forward to the next and looking for more amazing amazing horror ish stories i do understand some of these stories are not really or are not really terrifying but it's all about making these stories known in their purest form and that is what we are about just that was our goal for this um season until we meet again sleep with one eye open because you never know what lurks in the dark and stay terrifyingly good that has been my time Happy listening.